This is Beloved Binge, and you are listening to Vegan Radio on WXOJLP Northampton 103.3 FM. Also available at the Pacifica Radio Network and, and podcasting, podcasting at, at veganradio.com. Every year you're given 2,000 cows, chickens, pigs, fish, the life of Listen to Vegan Radio all the time. We're interrupting this drug war to bring to you the other war. Vegan Radio. (laughs) I don't like that war rhetoric, man. Yes. Could we just talk about it as if it were, you know, just simple, practical problems to be solved? Well, we're having a war on war right now, so... Yeah, excellent. Well, that's going to do something. I don't know what. <laughs> it might implode on itself, create antimatter. I'm not sure. Uh, the war on meat. The war on meat? Hey, man, I'm made of meat. I don't know if I want war <laughs> on me. War on... How about the war on ignorance? I know that's, a, you know, that's not the friendliest term, but I, I, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know... We're all dummies. It just means that we need to, you know, fulfill more of our potential. Well, today we have uh, our show is this is the Dave show. Um, <clears throat> we are Meganless. No Megan Shackleford today. She is meditating at this moment in a Vipassana meditation retreat. In her place, we have nobody except for you and me, Scotty. It's an oh all male show, it's male energy. Yep, it's you, me, and the Daves. And the Daves. And so for the, we have a David Wolf part two of the interview we did with him at the Rhode Island School of Design on June or April 13th, 2008. And we also are going to check in with Dave Warwack and see what uh, wackiness he's been up to. Uh huh. Um, That's great. Yeah, it's good stuff. We'll call this the Dave, the Vegan Dave Show. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm so excited. Where um, do we begin? The bare facts. The turgid truth. Naked news. Only on Vegan Radio. Uh, so let us get to the news. Okay. And then we can get to the Daves. Uh, so the big news this week, uh, I don't know how big, but it was uh, there was a salmonella outbreak in nine states. Nine states? Salmonella. Yep, it was apparently uh, caused by uh, infected tomatoes. And it was a rare strain of uh, salmonella, so if you're one in one of these uh, nine states, you probably already heard about it. But uh, I don't know. Do people? I mean, how often do you hear about these meat recalls? Unless you're really, unless it's huge or or you're looking out for it. Well, know? this is a tomato recall. Oh yeah. Well, if it's a vegetable recall, they'll probably have it all over the news. Yeah, they're trying to maybe get a little equal time with the meat recalls. Killer so. tomatoes. Yep. This is uh, apparently. Uh, where were they? Let's see. La la la, Texas, New Mexico, uh, and a few other places that aren't listed in this article because it's not being helpful. But 
<laughs> Watch your tomatoes. Okay, so on with the next story. Uh, apparently, uh, KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, they used to be called in Canada, uh, has uh, succumbed to animal rights protesters there and has agreed to their terms. Um, they are going to offer vegan, quote, chicken. On vegan chicken? Yep. At KFC? That's right. Come on. To go along with their alcoholic chicken, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, let's see, they've got, uh, they're going to also treat their chickens more nice. <laughs> so well put. Yeah, they're going to, instead of uh, killing them the way they were, uh, they're going to gas them. Gas them? Mm-hmm. It's oh. apparently more humane. How sweet. Yeah, I know. It's It's starving the cells of the chicken's body in order to make it die. There's another story here, which is probably more cogent. The United States would like to stop, uh, continues to want to stop increased testing for mad cow disease. And this is a this is actually a, about a month old story. Uh, the Bush administration last month uh, urged a federal appeals court to stop meat packers from testing all their animals for mad cow disease. But a skeptical judge questioned whether the government has that authority. The government seeks to reverse a lower court ruling that allowed Kansas-based Creekstone Farms premium beef to conduct more comprehensive testing to satisfy demand from overseas customers in Japan and elsewhere. Uh, less than 1% of slaughtered cows are currently tested for the disease under Agriculture Department guidelines. The agency argues that more widespread testing does not guarantee food safety and could result in a false positive that scares consumers. They want to create false assurances, Justice Department Attorney Eric Fleshig-Green told a three-judge panel of U.S. Court Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. But Creekstone attorney Russell Fry contended the Agriculture Department's regulations covering the treatment of domestic animals contain no prohibition against an individual company testing for mad cow disease since the test is conducted only after a cow is slaughtered. He said the agency has no authority prevent, to prevent companies from using the test to reassure customers. This is government telling the consumers, quote, you're not entitled to this information, Fry said. Chief Judge J David B. Sentel seemed to agree with Creekstone's contention that the additional testing would not interfere with agency regulations governing the treatment of animals. All they want to do is create information, Sentel said, noting that it's up to consumers to decide how to interpret the information. Larger meat packers have opposed Creekstone's push to allow wider testing out of fear that consumer pressure would force them to begin testing all animals, too. Increased testing would raise the price of meat by a few cents per pound. <laughs> and we'd find out that there's mad cows everywhere. Uh, oh, my God! Maybe. Mad cow disease, or BSE, bovine spongiform encephalopathy, can be fatal to humans who eat tainted beef. Three cases of mad cow disease have been discovered in the U.S. since 2003. With our minimal testing. Um, the district court's ruling last year in favor, favor of Creekstone was supposed to take effect June 1st of last year, but the Agriculture Department's appeal has delayed the testing so far. Wow. Well, speaking of mad cow, we got uh, Dave Warwick on the line, I believe. You there, Dave? Oh, my Dave? God. I'm here. How are you guys? Hey. What's up? We've decided, we've decided today that war is whack. <laughs> so uh, we're boycotting all war. Yes. It's just ridiculous. I'm, I'm all for that. It is ridiculous. War is ridiculous. Yeah, and what's with all that war rhetoric? I mean, who really buys into it? Like, hey, another war, great. I don't know. You know, I I, I think that um, Bush is going to attack Iraq any or Iran any day, and then 
it's going to be McCain, and it's going to be World War. Uh, I'm trying to be a little more optimistic. That's whack. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you are too, Dave. Yeah, please be wrong, Dave. I hope so. For the first time in your life. We could could have another uh, homegrown terrorist attack too. That's always a... Always a possibility that'll keep the Republicans in power. Don't spoil the October surprise. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all it takes is one one event to get the the public afraid and to rally behind McCain. He's a war president. So. He's a war monger. He's a war monger. He is. I don't know. We're just addicted to fear, Dave. I think that's what's going on here. We're addicted to fear, and we like to eat fear. Speak for yourself, man. <laughs> okay, uh, maybe not me. <laughs> I was talking about, the, you know, the collective we. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're waking up, I think. Things are changing. Some yeah. people are waking up. Some people are yeah. burying their heads. Yeah, and you're doing your best to wake people up, Dave. I know, Dave. So you got a new book out. Yeah. Self-published awesome. uh, online. You can buy the PDF version. Is that what's going on? No, you can uh, buy the the hard copy online. Oh, really? Uh, Yep, you just go to peepshowforchildrenonly.com and then uh, follow right. the link. It's been banned in Fox Grove, so. Yeah, they had police go into kids' houses and taking away their books. Really? Unreal. Yeah, like a, a bad uh, B movie or something. Now who's policing the police? I want to know. So for those listeners who've been in a cave and not heard of Dave Warwick, um, you originally had a art project at your school where you're uh, used marshmallow peeps to teach your uh, students about the the horrors of the meat industry and animal agriculture and other forms of animal, animal oppression. And you got removed from the school, even though you were tenured. Tenured, yeah. Yeah, and, so, and, and then you've been fighting back ever since, and now you have a book to document it. How did your former students get this book in their homes? What? I, I brought it to him. I uh, met him at McDonald's, and I gave him copies of it. <laughs> met him at McDonald's. Yeah, finally, McDonald's has a good purpose as a meeting. That place, was the last you know? place. That oh, was I the rank. last place they would expect you to be distributing vegan literature. Actually, it was. Uh, they knew all about it somehow. They got a, a heads up, and the police were there. And as I was walking in the door to McDonald's, they slowed down their car and stopped right in front of my path into, into the restaurant. Wow. And and so, you know, I, I just had my hands full with books, you know, and I said, hello. And they didn't even say hi back. And I <laughs> said, well, have a good day. And I walked around their car and I went inside. And uh, the kids were waiting for me and I gave them all things. It was cool. So the police didn't actually stop you? No, they didn't stop me. But then later... Um, I got MySpace messages from kids saying that uh, police were going to kids' houses and taking away their books. Really? So do you think it was the title of the book, uh, Peep Show Show for (laughs) Children, that that caused the alarm? Well, their alarms are off. Anything attached with Warwax to it. uh, You know, the the Peep Show for Children only title just added to it. But it it was really the content of the book because it makes them look so bad. It's... It's the stuff that goes on behind closed doors that kids don't know anything about, and it's all decisions about them and their lives, and I think they should know. So <laughs> that's why I gave it to them, and that, that really got the, the big people mad. Yeah. So somehow they convinced the police to, to, to go knocking on people's doors. I still can't believe that. Well, I mean, not what, so... what would they say? <laughs> yeah, seriously, uh, 
I mean, I'm not so sure the decisions being made are really about them and their lives. Uh, <laughs> it seems to have more to do with keeping things sort of just on the straight and narrow. Seems like you're causing quite a ruckus out there. Yeah, well, you know, this is uh, hunting and fishing capital, you know, out here. And so, you know, if anyone says anything different, it's it's bizarre because there's fast food restaurants in every corner. And, you know, anything outside of the norm is considered um, illegal, subversive, or um, strange, or frightening. And that fear uh, mentality kicks in. So they, they act irrationally, and, and they've been acting irrationally this whole way. But, so have you but, had any threats of violence against you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've, been, I've been attacked. But that's, you know, you've been attacked? So you've had yeah. actual violence? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they, that's, they, they want me to talk about that, and they want me to focus on that. And, and I don't want to talk about that because that's what they want, you know. Yeah. And... and, and it has nothing to do with anything. It's just something they want to create, and I'm not buying into it. I'm not even giving it air time to talk about it. Okay, let's change the subject quickly. <laughs> so you, you've had all, have you had all your hearings now, and that whole process is done? Yeah, but, you know, it's not going to be over. Just judging from, from past, you know, if you don't learn from, from history, you know, you're just going to repeat it. But at least learning from it, you can um, know what to expect. And, and just the way they've been behaving, I can't see them ruling um, in my favor. Although, you know, the, the, things are documented. And, and part of the, this whole idea of me being transparent with everything and not keeping secrets is so that if, if they do make a decision that it's not done in the dark and that people can see uh, what's going on. And, and that's really what, what kept us going to this point because when they first sent me home that, that day from school and after passing out the literature, um, they wanted to meet with their lawyer and see if they could put something in writing that said, I can't do these things with kids. And they couldn't do it. So then instead they um, tried to smear, smear me and they sent me home. And then right away I knew that I was being smeared, and so I went to the newspaper, and I and I was on record with them, and I was on record with them saying that if the school um, agrees to put this in writing, I'll stop. But they can't do that, so it's up to them to make their next move. And that was documented in the paper, and, and so that idea of being transparent has really shown that that I I have been been on uh, you know above board in, in my concerns and. and and I haven't been unreasonable. But then they, they somehow twisted it, and people bought into that. But the book shines light on all that because it's got actual transcripts of, of the case and, and in the courtroom. And imagine how many teachers would love to have their principal on the stand and get to ask them questions. You know, and, and, and it's not a lawyer asking questions. It's the teacher. You know, and it's, it's great stuff, and, and, and they're so busted. So do you have uh, pictures of your peep show art exhibit in there, too? Yep, there's, there's pictures of it in there, and then there's, um, there's vegan radio stuff in there, for sure. No You're way. In there. Yeah, because um, you were instrumental in this. You, you helped with the censorship issue to show that um, you know, I wasn't, wasn't backing down. I wasn't going to let them um, gag me like that. And, um, but that piece that you wrote that was on vegan radio, that's in the book. Um, so there, there's a lot of vegan radio stuff in the book. It's cool, it's, but it's real life, and that's what's cool about um, writing about real life is it's interesting and the dramas that go on. And, and to think that, that um, um, vegan freaks radio
mentioned in the book, you know, because they were um, following me around on forums, and they found out I got banned. And then Vegan Radio, you know, is in the book for censorship issues, and, and all these things were coming to light. And, and the thing that they documented that they didn't realize was that they had the burden of proof to prove a case against me. And, and in the process, their case against me was documenting everything I was saying. But what they didn't realize was, because these people don't read, was what I was saying was about them. So they were entering into evidence stuff about them. And so once it's in the evidence, I can question them about it. And, and <laughs> it's great stuff. I even get in an argument with um, the, the, the hearing officer, the judge, and, and, that, and that's in the book, too. You know, there's a lot of great stuff. Yeah, I could read it to you. It's pretty quick. Yeah, please. Um, it's, it's good stuff. Um, so, this, you know, a little setup to this is that during this, this trial, every time I'm asking a question, um, the lawyers for the school are objecting, basing it on uh, it's not relevant. You can't ask that question. They say objection is not relevant. And after a while, objection, I got, your I got, honor. Yeah, I got annoyed with it. And so at one point, I said to the uh, hearing officer, I said, and you won't ever be convinced if you don't allow me certain latitude in questioning, especially when it involves a vegan diet, whether it is good or not, because that's very relevant. And then uh, the hearing officer says, I told you, Mr. Warwick, that the question of veganism is uh, good or bad is irrelevant. I will not hear the testimony. I will not hear argument on that point. And then I say, that is my whole case. And he says, then that may be your case. That is not relevant. That is, not, that is my ruling. And so I say, uh, this is just like the other hearings where my concerns are not being addressed. It's only about smearing me and making me out to be the bad guy and not talking about really what's going on. And that's why they fired me is to avoid all these issues. And I'm, what I'm telling you, Mr. Warwick, is whether you prevail in this case or not before me has nothing to do with whether veganism is good or bad. And I say, I understand that. And he says, and I don't need to get testimony or evidence on the merits of veganism. And then I say, it's not just the merits of veganism. It's the dangers that they're being put in by the meat and dairy. I'm not promoting, and he cuts me off, and he says, other side of the coin, Mr. Warwick, and I'm telling you that that's not relevant to the charge. It's not relevant to the subject matter of this hearing. And then I say, if a child is standing on a ladder, and he cuts me off again, he says, don't. I've made my ruling, Mr. Warwick. And then I say, I have to object on the record then for your ruling just so it is known. And he says, you may. And so this is what I say. If a child is standing on a ladder and I see a wrecking <laughs> ball heading for their head and I push them out of the way and you slander me for pushing the kid out of the way, for injuring him when I saved his life, then that is not accurate and that is not fair and I object. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So there's there great stuff, and, and it's all like that. The whole trial is like that. They're just objecting at every stage of the way, and I'm just shooting them with, with logic, and uh, it, it's great reading. Well, I hope uh, I hope people get out there and read it. Well, I do wonder, too, I mean, how early in the process or what could they have done if, if say, they had agreed to discuss milk posters or something like that at the school uh, and, you know, to take your concerns to heart, I mean, You'd think that could have helped uh, open up a dialogue, get some things going on. Totally. It, you know, that's exactly it. Never once were any of these issues up for discussion. And, and, and just that idea that they refused to discuss it sets up all kinds of problems to where after a while when you see the kids' lives are at, at risk, you know, you have to do something if you have any kind of conscience and knowledge of what's going on. It, it's it's uh, it's analogous to the to what what Bush is doing in the Middle East, you know, with um, cutting off 
dialogue with people. You know, as soon as you've done that, then, you know, whatever happens, it's your own fault. You know, these people kind of made their own, their own grave when, when they refused to talk about these things. All they had to do was say, wow, you know, these milk mustache posters are false, and, um, you know, maybe we should think about removing them. Let's have some meetings, and let's discuss this with the board, and let's get the community on board and see what we can do. But there was none of that. It was just, it's not up for discussion. Don't tell the kids. Well, you know, school is really about indoctrination, not education. Exactly. Something's it's, going on. <laughs> and, and it's embarrassing with all these school shootings because America is the most violent society in the world. And, and when we're indoctrinating our own youth into this killing way, and then we're, we're, we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off trying to figure out a, a, a solution to school shootings. It's, it's as idiotic as these people trying to find a cure for cancer. The cure is prevention. Yeah. Stop eating the meat and the dairy and you'll stop getting cancer. Yeah, and maybe some Montessori schools might help things out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a little more of that. Well, hopefully, you know, when people see what's going on with the, the milk mustache posters and, and the commercial advertising in schools, that should, should enrage teachers, even if they're not vegans, um, to know that they've been fooled all these years. You know, um, I think it's teachers' jobs to start putting pressure on the, the administrators to do things about. Yeah, I mean, these things don't always have to come from the top down, and really the people in the trenches are the people whose alarms should be heard. Well, it seems yeah, like yeah, you've yeah. got the, the a lot of your old students all riled up in there. They're uh, rebelling a little. <laughs> yeah, those, oh, yeah. Those that aren't too, too fearful are. Yeah, and, and but you know this this is much bigger than than that too. You know that's spreading. That's sort of, they already were giving out shirts like thirty forty miles away to other schools that say "Go vegan" on them, save Earth, which was pretty cool shirts that I gave to the school. They were um, giving out to other schools too. So things spread with kids. But but the bigger um, you know issue is is the idea that you know when when people see what's going on and and then. They find out because these people can't hide anymore. It's, it's public knowledge. Once they go on record, the state of Illinois, and they fire a teacher for teaching kindness, they kind of had some explaining to do. And, and this is going on all over the country. And, and if we're raising kids, um, you know, with with to be disconnected to life and have no feelings for things, and then we wonder why there's school shootings, you know, and then there's the healthcare crisis with all these cancers and. It's just out of control. So I can't believe that more teachers aren't standing up. And it's because they're afraid that they're going to get fired, you know. Well, you and know, the, the and most, they're right. They will get fired. I approve that. Well, the most important thing is that uh, kids can pass the MCAST. You know, beyond that, <laughs> nothing else really matters. The what? Huh? I hope they make it easier. <laughs> is dairy good? Check. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Simple as that. Dave Warbrock, you're our hero. Cool, thanks. So, so could you tell us what's you you've been sending me, me these things about the vegan freaks? What's what's your relation to the vegan freaks? And I, I think I missed the episodes where they talked about you or something. I just know that. Uh, oh, it's just a silly tiff war. It's nothing, uh, you know. That's like you know um, serious. It's just he, uh, Bob Torres, the uh, vegan freak. He jabs at me and I jab back at him. This was all in good fun. I mean. He made a comment about uh, 
eating uh, meat out of necessity, which is just ridiculous because we don't have to eat meat these days. Well, he was and, talking uh, about the the question that people uh, that vegans always get from meat eaters: if you were on a desert island and all you had to eat was uh, meat, would would you do it? Yeah, yeah. So if and it that, was between starving to death or eating meat on a desert island, and then and then uh, he said. But this is a condition yeah. of necessity. Yeah. Do you understand yes. the difference? Yes, of course. If, 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 I, if I crashed on a desert island with Warwack... <laughs> you would eat him? I would eat him. <laughs> I would eat him. <laughs> Not if I eat him fast. Yeah, but that's funny stuff. You know, I mean, we're way too serious all the time. You know, if we can't laugh at, at each other and, and, and say stupid stuff sometimes and, and make fun of it, you know, then what's it all worth, you know? You gotta have some fun along the way. So we're just having fun with each other. But so you know, as an artist, I took that idea and I I put myself on the desert island with this uh, kind of uh, surreal image of a, a hot dog putting ketchup on his head. And <laughs> 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 I, I got Bob's uh, little snippet. I recorded the uh, part of the episode and I played that along with it. And uh, yeah, but but really, if you think about it, I mean, if I was on an island with Bob Sayers and I. I, I guess um, I should be worried that he might eat me, but um, really I wouldn't eat him. Um, I couldn't see eating him. I, I couldn't even see if, it, if there was a pig on the island killing the pig and eating it. I really couldn't. I mean, yeah. I think I would just probably die of starvation, you know, and then they could eat me. <laughs> you know, whoever dies first, that's it. It, you know, it's just a ridiculous thing. It's never going to happen, and if it does, we'll deal with it then, but... Why? Why even? Uh, I think it would make a good uh, reality TV show. <laughs> Dave and Bob on a, on a desert island. <laughs> Who will survive? <laughs> the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, um, we we have another another Dave on our second half of our show, so we're gonna have to cut you a little short here. Cool. But, uh, but we wanted to get the update and uh, keep our listeners informed on the. The Crazy Adventures of Dave Warwick. Yeah, the verdict on the case should be out within uh, two weeks to a month. Um, it's all in the hearing officer's hands, so it's going to be interesting to see what he does. All right, well, we're, sure we're going to be following you with interest, and uh, we'll probably have you on the show in a few more episodes to get the latest Warwick update. Cool. All right, I, guys, I was thinking thanks. maybe we could it. even have like a, a recurring Warwick report, maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not this thing's not dead yet, and then if, uh, if I fail, it'll just get appealed to the next level. Supreme Court, here I come. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks hey, so guys. much. Thanks so much, Dave, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks. Fight the good fight. Okay. Bye, bye, guys. Back on. All right, Dave Warwick, going strong. Yes, indeed. Yeah, someone who's willing to be, who's willing to uh, put himself out there for this stuff. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It's definitely uh, in some danger, I would say. You think? I don't know. He's I already lost his job, it seems. He's lost his job, but I don't know. Yeah. Smuggling these things to the kids he and could stuff. could get lynched. Could get him in some trouble. Uh, I, I don't know. I I hold to the philosophy that children are, you know, we're supposed to, like, you know, make sure that they're not, you know, that they're not, that they're kind of safe, but you can't. Uh, totally dictate their whole way of thinking about everything. That's true, but you know how fanatical some parents can get. Yeah, well, it's and uh, authorities, other authorities. Is fear the 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 dominating theme of this show? <laughs> I hope not. Well, you know, I'm not afraid of fear. No, well, hey, you know, 
little fear doesn't scare me. Vegan Radio. Crunchy on the outside, creamy on the inside, and 100% gristle-free. So uh, our next interview um, is pre-recorded. David Wolf, who is a raw food guru and uh, probably one of the best-known raw foodists in the movement. And uh, we featured the first half of the interview with him on our April 24th show, and um, I was hoping to get the second half out sooner, but you know how life is, Scotty. You get busy. Yeah. You get wrapped up in things. And we've had a lot of good, nutritious stuff to fill up time. Yeah, well, we definitely haven't been at a loss for um, show material. No, that's for sure. But since Megan's gone this week, I thought it would be a good, good opportunity to play the second half of that. which will take us to the end of the show. And we want to remind everyone, you're listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, Vegan Radio, also on the Pacifica Network, and also podcasting at veganradio.com. And you can pick that up at most usual outlets where you might subscribe to a podcast, such as the iTunes Music Store. Mm -hmm. And it's free. Podcast is free. Yes. Free equals podcast. For those of you who have... (laughs) been living in a cave i'm a podcast junkie so yeah i'm I'm getting into it man there's some good stuff out there oh yeah you can educate yourself all the time with podcasts yes podcasts and wikipedia who needs and public now, schools and now like video cast man and like video hello listeners this is derek from vegan radio bringing you part two of our interview with david wolf conducted april 13th 2008 the Rhode Island School of Design. I got the chance to talk with David Wolf, the raw food guru himself, right before he gave his talk called Cracking the Chocolate Code. Now chocolate, aka cacao, is a fruit, not a bean. And it contains certain chemicals and sensory properties that make the product very appealing. Theobromine, a chemical related to caffeine. The sugar in chocolate releases serotonin, a brain chemical related to a positive sense of well-being. And the smooth, rich taste of chocolate provides sensory pleasure to the taste buds. The plant contains components that include alanine, alkaloids, alpha-cetosterol, alpha-theosterol, amylase, arginine, ascorbic acid, ascorbic acid oxidase, asparaginase, beta-carotene, calcium, dopamine, fructose, glucose. Glutamine acid, leucine, linoleic acid, lipase, lysine, niacin, peroxidase, phenolactic acid, phenylalanine, phosphorus, riboflavin, rutin, tannins, theobromine, thiamine, and many, many other things. It is one of the most nutritious plants in the world. And when you eat it, my friends, in its raw form, not processed like Hershey and those other nasty companies putting all their milk fats and nasty sugars in, the raw cacao plant is the elixir of life. Now, listeners, I want you to get yourself some raw cacao right now. And I want you to look in the mirror, deep into your own eyes. Take that cacao bean and put it on your tongue and say, and say to yourself, say to yourself, say, I believe in miracles. Cacao! I'm a sexy thing. You gotta love yourself, listeners. You gotta love yourselves. See, I'm a sexy thing. I'm a sexy thing. Cacao! Cacao! 
Oh, baby. Maybe I shouldn't eat that last cacao bean. Where's my nibs? And without further ado, is David Wolf. All right, just a little further ado. Don't you love this song? And you know, listeners, sexiness isn't in physical appearance. It's an attitude. It's a beatitude. It's a love for the self, which I believe the cacao bean brings about. Yeah. So get yourself some raw cacao. Touch me. Oh, eating locally. Eating locally. I am a local eater, full on. I mean, probably more. See, like, what Michael Pollan's saying is, like, he hasn't lived locally like I have. I mean, I've lived off wild food for months at a time. Right. Okay, so that's a different experience. Mm -hmm. Our environment is so disturbed that that is exceedingly difficult to do unless you live in an intact forest environment. Uh So, you know, I have a place up in Canada that's an intact forest environment, and you can live all year round off that land, even in the winter, off food that you wildly procure. Okay. I cannot say that that's true of most of New England right now because it's so disturbed. So, you know, we, we... I like the ethic of eating locally. You know, that's obviously where we need to be and obviously growing our own gardens, and that's a critical part of the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to live entirely locally in a disturbed environment? And my experience has been, no, it's not really entirely possible. Okay. Just to put a little bit of, like, common sense on top of that, because a lot of people get into such, like, no, you have to eat locally, you can't ship anything, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Ten mile you're living radius. in New York City here. I mean, right. I don't know about, you know. Right. Yeah. There's that wild man, Steve Brills. Yeah. He's, 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 he really knows his stuff. He's one of the best. He understands the situation. You know, he, he, he has a very common sense angle. Steve Brill does. He, you know, he, he's one of the guys out there that, like, I really feel like, okay, he, he knows what he's talking about because he, he's actually lived on it. You know, he knows what it takes to live on wild food. Um, how do you feel about the year 2012? Uh, something big is going to happen. Oh, yeah. as it can, pertains to Chaco, I have <laughs> yeah. been on the case of the have top you? writers in the Western world about the date 2012. Okay. Because 2012 is the end of the Mayan calendar. Right. The Mayans' primary food was cacao. There their primary sacrament was cacao. Um, their primary tree that they grew, their most sacred tree in their gardens, was cacao. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the part of it that we need to get back onto. Like, hey, if you're going to get on the 2012 game here or get on the Mayan calendar or even yeah. talk about this, here's the food you should probably be aware of. Yeah. Because this is this was – cacao is a Mayan word. And yeah. they took that word from the Olmecs. You know, and the Olmecs took it from God knows who before them. Yeah. Um, I finally squeezed a couple sentences into a few books out there about cacao. Like, you know, I basically called the authors and was like, look, man, you know the story about cacao. You cannot write a book about 2012 and not have something about cacao in there. Right. And so <laughs> it, it's, it's in a few of the books out there, which cool. is good. A little, like a sentence or two. It should be right. a whole chapter at it least. Should. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And you have a book that's all about chocolate, right? Naked chocolate? Naked chocolate, yeah. Naked chocolate. Do you want to give that a plug? our listeners that might not be able to make the lecture today. Sure, yeah. Um, Naked Chocolate is a book that I put together with uh, my friend Shazzy in the UK, and she's kind of done the work in live food and the raw food movement um, in the UK that I've done in, say, North America, America, and Canada. And so we, we decided we'd collaborate on a book project because we both had this discovery of cacao together during a trip uh, to Maui in 2003. 
and that's when you know really things took off with cacao because that's when I got really behind it and started going around promoting cacao which has caused such a revolution in Hawaii it's not even funny I mean there there I just consulted with a group in of developers in Hawaii and Kauai where they're putting in 200 homes and they mandatory have to have four cacao trees at every home you know stuff like that you know it's like that w- wasn't going to happen before, you know. That that's this is new on the table because, you know, the world just doesn't happen. We kind of shape with the direction it's going to go, you know. And if you if you get out there and really back a, a cause, it's it'll be heard. Um, Naked chocolate backs the cause of chocolate. It 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 backs the cause of the growing the plant, of understanding where cacao beans, which is really a nut, where it comes from, how it can be grown how you can alchemically use it to deliver all the medicines that you'd like, you know, whatever you like. You know, let's say you love the medicinal mushrooms from the forest, reishi mushroom, for example. You can put that into cacao and blend that up and have the most incredible cacao reishi, <laughs> you know, cappuccino kind of thing. It tastes like cappuccino. Drink and drink that. It's like pure medicine, but it's chocolate. So you're saving yourself and having the best day ever and saving the planet all at the same time. It's a good thing you said the best day ever. You reminded me you have a website called the best day ever. The, the best day ever.com. Best day ever.com is, I think, the world's, the internet's leading resource for health information. There is. It, there's nothing like it. it. It's been five years. Me and um, my friend Len Foley have been running that site. We have somewhere around, the last time we estimated, somewhere around 37 gigabytes of audio material. You know, how much, you know how much that is? A lot. That's, that's a lot. I mean, that's like, you could have a, an iPod with like, I mean, how many songs? Like almost 4,000 songs on it? And that's not 36 gigabytes. Right. It's like two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like maybe 20. Maybe 20, yeah. So that's how much material is there on the cutting edge stuff. It's not like, you know, you need to take the skin off the chicken kind of stuff. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. It, you know, which is like, are are we past that yet? Like, you need to take the skin off the chicken. Like, you need to stop having factory farm chicken completely forever and forget that we ever ate that and try to remove that from your genetics forever. You know, it's that kind of. That's where. That's more of the attitude and and ideas that are in the best day ever. It's like we got to get on with the program of having the best health ever, pretty much immediately. And then what? You know, it's like. And so we we address it. How do we get from A to B? But then we also address how do we get from B to Z, right? Because right. once we're healed, well, then what? Well, then we got to become activated in our work in the world, and that, that's a big part about the best day ever. Sounds great. Um, how does one become a superhero? <laughs> well, that, that's your work in the world, you know. When you, when you are doing your work in the world, which is your duty, you know, we have duties. We're born with duties, you know, which have to be addressed in the world. We can't, we can't ever just go to Club Med for the rest of our lives. Or, you know, retire as a yachtsman in the Caribbean, which is, you know, what, or whatever that pipe dream is. It's all literally a pipe dream, probably created when somebody's smoking a pipe of something. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have duties, you know, and do, our duty in the world is our dharma, which is our mission. And our mission is our salvation because it makes life worth living. And when you're activated on your mission, then you become a superhero because you all all other worries and responsibilities drop away because you realize that as long as you're doing your mission all your needs are met everything is met so within you you don't really need anything i mean what do you need you actually you know i live i have one dollar in my wallet i'll show you my wallet i have one dollar in it i live on like ten eleven dollars 
twelve dollars every couple of weeks. I'm, and that's not that's not a joke. That's true, because I don't need anything. There's no I don't really need any money. I don't really you know what do I need? I don't really buy vegetables in a store. Most of the food that I eat is given to me, and the only reason why all that happens is because I'm doing my mission. So when you're in your mission, your dharma. Um, the world works for you in a way like a superhero. Like, you, you know, you do your thing and then you get, you know, the karmic payback from, from the universe. And that's enough to sustain you and, and allow you to thrive, really. It's a karmic salary. Karmic salary. That's a great way to say it. I, I need to get into that, actually. I, when I, I was thinking about that, like, all the things that come back to you, you know, the karmic income, we need to do something like, you know, like your karmic bank account, reality checks that don't bounce, you know, stuff, get a whole... Like metaphor going, but I haven't worked that up yet. But and we can have the like the karma piece. IRS to do the, <laughs> the karmic, karmic audit. IRS. Karmic yeah, audit. The karmic audit. <laughs> um, There's a whole piece there that you're touching on that I know needs to get needs to be <laughs> looked at. It'd be, it's a poem. I, I see it as a poem, but oh, yeah. it's, it's been. I was there, reading so some of your poems. <laughs> I have a couple of questions that aren't related to chocolate, but uh, a couple of our listeners. One is wild rice. Apparently, we've heard that it's not a grain, and some people eat it raw by soaking it for a few days. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, well, it's a, it, it is a grain because it's a seed of a grass. It, so, you're, if you're definitely actually, it's not rice, I guess. Is it okay? Well, it looks like rice to me. I mean, the way it grows, like you know, it's, it, it grows in the marshes all the way across northern North America um, and southern Canada, and. It looks like rice to me. I mean, it's a grass. I'm a wild grass eater. I mean, that's a, you know, I'm an expert in that area. That's just something I absolutely love and, and live on. You know, I eat wild grasses, you know, whenever I can every day if I'm out in the forest. What, what are wild grasses? Well, you know, most of our, most of our food, like rice or wheat, is a grass. Um, barley is a grass. Corn is a grass. These are all grasses. And if we can move away from these very hybridized kind of unnatural grains like wheat or, you know, corn, you know, stuff that's not really at all in its natural state or even rice like that's grown in Asia or even in, you know, south, southern United States and move towards wild grasses like wild rice, not only is the nutrition better, but there's a deeper vigor. It's, it has more vigor in it. And it's good. I mean, it's, it can sustain you. Grasses, by the way, are also completely responsive to the local environment of minerals. So if there's a lot of minerals in the soil, for example, where wild grass grows at my house up in Canada is in um, right behind beaver dams. And the beavers dam things up so it fills up with silt. So all those minerals fill up behind the beaver dam. And the next thing you know, you've got really good quality food growing out of there. What the beavers are really doing is they're creating a bed for, to grow a whole forest. Eventually, a whole forest will spring out of that silt. You know, they're breaking the minerals down for us using, using the alchemy of water, using the alchemy of um, bacteria and fungal and all that stuff. Um, so, in my opinion, you know, wild, wild grass is not only a grain, but it's one of the best grains that you can eat. And, if you, and there's different ways to eat it. You can sprout it and eat it. You can just chew it. You can just eat it straight dry, um, which is also very good. And uh, you can soak it in, um, a friend of mine does this, it's really unbelievable. He soaks it in um, acidophilus culture, Oh wow! which is just amazing. I mean, because the, the, the soaking it will obviously cause it to start to sprout, but then the acidophilus kind of eats into it and pre-digests it. Uh, so then you eat it, and then it tastes exactly like cooked rice. Uh. Like that lateral mm -hmm. 
he the, he does he won't reveal to me his exact secret, but I've been kind of you know working on it for a while. So I know he does it with acidophilus cultures, um, but I don't know his exact technique. Now I'm raw tarted. I don't you know I'm not <laughs> the guy to ask about recipes, but I can give you you know directions and hints based on. I have actually eaten the food of the, I think the best chefs in the world, especially live, obviously live food chefs, and uh, there's some pretty damn good food out there. And that's the thing about live food is it tastes way better. It, oh that's yeah, the key yeah. Thing. And that that'll eventually get everybody. I think it tastes better once once you've got the clen- cleansed it. your palate of all the processed foods and things, so you can taste the subtlety of it. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, we have a friend who's possibly going to be here today, and she, she's been raw for a while. She recently became pregnant and um, s- started having cravings for tofu and things like that. And so she did end up eating a little bit of cooked food, but I think she's going back towards raw food. And um, over the years being a vegan, I've heard lots of stories about vegans or vegetarians who get cravings for meat or something like that. And I'm sure you must have come across a lot of raw pregnancies and cravings and stuff. Do you have any advice or any insight into that craving process? Uh, yeah, a lot. I mean, that's a big issue. You know, but actually, pregnancy, um, nutrition during pregnancy, is a is a big area, and it's an area that I'm I'm going to write a book on that area. I'm, I've already started it. I've just started piecing it together because it's. It's kind of, you know, in all stages of the life cycle from, you know, being, say, a teenager to a young adult to a mature adult to, um, you know, an elderly person to a pregnant mom to a lactating, you know, pregnant mom, you know, that and then eventually giving birth and then breastfeeding the baby. The nutrition requirements across that whole spectrum is very wide. And so all those things need to be addressed. And, for example, like with her... You know, there's very important key of it is long chain omega-3 fatty acids are very important. That's now available, by the way, from vegetarian sources. Um, that's also been totally pioneered by the live food movement, actually. The availability of long chain DHA and EPA that have not that are not coming from fish, um, that are like marine phytoplankton. You know, the little marine phytoplankton. That's one of the most amazing products, and it has EPA, DHA, GLA, all the phospholipids in it. It's ideal for pregnancy. So is that a powder? What is that? It's a liquid, liquid marine phytoplankton. It's living liquid marine phytoplankton. It's what whales eat. And whales grow the fastest nervous system on the planet um, and the biggest nervous system on the planet. So they grow their nervous system faster than any organism on the planet, and they grow bigger um, than any organism on the planet. So what do they eat? They eat um, marine phytoplankton. Well, one of the things about the human being that's very different from the other mammals that are like us, say, for example, the chimpanzee or the gorilla, is that we grow our nervous system faster and we have a bigger nervous system than they do and therefore we have different nutrition requirements. We can actually live on the exact same diet as a wild gorilla and or wild chimpanzee but that might not be ideal for us because it may be deficient in certain fatty acids like DHA and EPA for example and uh, there are places where we can get DHA and EPA now that are all vegan um, there are also uh, vitamin B12 sources. Like we had our marine phytoplankton tested for four different types of vitamin B12, and it came up positive. So we there's it's not a lot, but there's enough vitamin B12 in marine phytoplankton that because see marine phytoplankton is kind of like three quarters plant, one quarter animal. It's kind of like all algaes. You know, they're like three quarters plant, one quarter animal. 
and they have chlorophyll, so we identify them as a plant, but really they have things that are like animal-like about them too, and they can be vitamin B12 producers. So if we're a vegan and we're really on the ethics of not killing marine phytoplankton in algaes like spirulina and blue-green algae, then become sources of unique nutrients that aren't you know very possible to get as easily you know through vegan sources. I mean, these are critical for pregnancy. And then, you know, let's just say another thing for pregnancy, protein, having enough protein. Superfoods can give you enough protein, like hemp seed, for example. But let's say you don't like hemp seed. It doesn't work for you. Then you have to have other choices, you know, that are in that. That's a, see, that's why it's so critical when you're dealing with nutrition that it's not just, well, here's your protein source. What if that doesn't work for somebody? You have to give a whole spectrum, and then that spectrum has to work for women who are pregnant. Do you see how big that issue is? So then you have to make sure you have everything rounded out. Like, okay, here, how about race protein? Okay, here we have hemp protein. How about superfood proteins like the algaes, for example, or marine phytoplankton? Those are great sources of protein. Let's say that doesn't work for somebody. Okay, then we've got to go to goji berry protein. That might be the, the deal. And just to make sure that it's all there because at different times in the pregnancy, there'll be a, a strong demand for certain amino acids by the baby. And if the mom doesn't have those amino acids, then they'll be, boom, craving for tofu or something that will have that particular amino acid in it. Wow. Yeah, so that's why also it's very important that we do have a very rounded look at all of live food because it's not just watermelon and lettuce. I know some raw foodists eat raw meat um, and raw dairy. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I guess the thing about, well, I, could, I know a lot about that, obviously. I've been around it for 15 years. Um, the idea that you can't get parasites from raw meat is completely ridiculous. Obviously, you can get parasites from raw meat, especially raw fish, tapeworms, for example. And I know people have gotten those things. And it, it woke them up. It snapped them out of that illusion because there's people out there saying that, no, you can't get parasites from raw meat because it's raw and it's natural and it moves right through you and it's no big deal and all that kind of thing, which is true. It moves through you in a completely different way than cooked meat, but you can get parasites. Um, all animals in nature that are similar to us that eat raw meat do have parasites and have to take herb. And these are, these are organisms that have never, like chimpanzees, never eaten cooked food in their entire existence, their whole lineage genetically all the way back, live in their natural environment as it is all the way back are eating totally raw and have for their entire genetic history, they still get parasites, right? Then, you know, this idea that we can't is totally crazy. Um, two, raw dairy is, uh, can be allergenic. Even if, you're not, even if you're allergic to cooked dairy, you can st also be allergic to raw dairy. I'm personally allergic to both raw and cooked dairy. So that's another thing is that they say like, oh, you know, you're, not, you're only allergic to the cooked stuff. You're not allergic to the raw. That's not true. You can be allergic to the raw stuff too. Um, what about, you know, just the, the ethics of it? Like, is it ethical to actually, like, go on killing, and, and is that cool? And the answer is that's karma that you take on your own soul, and it's an individual choice. But for me personally, I'm not going to be taking that choice. I don't want that, that karma on me anymore. So there comes a point when people become so wound up in spiritual mumbo-jumbo that they lose their common sense. Right? And then, oh, yeah, I know a lot of those right? people. <laughs> they just get wound up. Next thing you know, you're a vegan because it's spiritual and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, people say, oh, then you should eat raw meat and this, that, because it's raw and whatever. And then they jump back onto that. And it's like, I'm a vegan and a raw foodist because I'm going in a direction. And that direction is, in a, is a direction of ahimsa, you know, of non harming. And that's an ethic, a moral ethic that I have inside myself that I will not compromise for anybody or anything, right? So, 
that that is what's guiding me. It's not something of being like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, what natural or healthy or what some kind of more of a fluffy goal. I say a it's prayer a for the animal before I kill it and all that. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it, it, people say that and then they don't. You know, yeah. they, they're not saying any prayer for any animal. And then they go buy factory go buy farm meat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or or they're buying you know free range chicken, which isn't free range. There's nothing regulates the word term free range. Right, and there's a lot of killing involved, even in eggs and dairy. It's a, it's an awful industry, and and the truth is is that to go and kill the animal wildly. I mean, the shaman in the tribe. You know, I was just reading a book on Ojibwe medicine, which is you know the Algonquin Native Americans in in the region of Ontario and Quebec and northern parts of New England, and the shaman was not allowed to kill anything because that would screw up the karma, right? So that was very interesting. You know, the shaman was not allowed to engage in, in hunting behavior or anything like that. So even, you know, at the level of, you know, where the Native Americans were, they understood that when you're dealing with someone who's in the role of healing, you cannot also have killing occurring. And that's, that's, I, that to me is very interesting that, you know, that there was that understanding. It's like intrinsic. And that's kind of where we're as a civilization. If we don't, like, turn around and start getting to the modality of healing... Um, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And therefore, we're going to have to give up killing because, kill, you know, you can't have, you can't just be killing things for breakfast and then expect we're going to have a peaceful world. That's impossible. Everyone thinks we should save the humans first, but we have to look more holistically at where the killing comes from and how we become, yeah, uh, get into that mental mindset that killing's okay in any fashion. Yeah, it's not, it's unnecessary. That's another thing is it's unnecessary. You can live without killing, and, and if you can, then why not? All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to stop. Um, thank you very much. It's cool. Right on. Thank you. Very uh, enlightening talking to you. Right on. Thank you. And I'm really looking fun. forward to the lecture today. Oh, we're going to have fun. Bye the bye. talk. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Nora. Thank for you. For bringing David. Anytime. All right. Did it record? <laughs> Want a cup of unsweetened chocolate and a half a cup of brandy and throw in a bag or two of sugar and just a pinch of vanilla. Breathe up the cookie sheet cause I hate when my balls stick. Then preheat the oven to 350 and give the seen my balls, they're big and salty and brown. If you ever need a quick pick me up, just stick my balls in your mouth. Suck all my chocolate salted balls. Put them in your mouth and suck them. Suck all my chocolate salted balls. They're back full of goodness. And, uh, how you doing, Scotty? I'm great, Derek. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? I love starting my day with vegan radio <laughs> yeah. you gotta get up earlier buddy you can what? start your day with a vegan muffin or something uh, <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to cut down on those actually yeah well, can have some you know what I had for breakfast was a kale smoothie oh those are great I made homemade hump milk and then uh, kale frozen banana some uh, maca powder and some uh some, uh, Go ahead, say it. Agave. Oh, I thought you were going to say cacao. Some cacao! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Well, good. That was good. It, it's fueled me all the way till now. And I'm going to go have a big salad at Evolution. Anyway, listeners, you've been listening to Vegan Radio, uh, available as a podcast on veganradio.com. We're broadcasting on Pacifica Radio Networks and uh, our home station here, WXOJLP Northampton 103.3 FM. And uh, check out our podcast version of this show to get um, the full interview with David Wolf. And also, uh, we have a couple of um, vegan chocolate product reviews that we did. Uh, we're going to tack on to the end of the podcast. Yeah, those were tasty. So that's only on the podcast version at veganradio.com. If you're hearing us on uh, a Pacifica Radio network, you're not going to get all that. Yeah, and thanks again to uh, Dave Warwack for coming on. Uh, his uh, website, Peep Show for Kids Only. Is that it? Dot <laughs> com. Uh, yes, I think. We'll have it in our show notes, veganradio.com. Uh, everything we talked about. Thanks for listening. Come again soon. Keep your heart shining. This is Vegan Radio. I'm Derek, and we're here with uh, Megan Shackleford, Isla, and Scotty Latane. <laughs> That's Hi-ya! right. For our Hi-ya. impromptu uh, review of Vegan Sweeties Cookies. They were nice enough to send us a couple samples in the mail. We have um, chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, wow. also brownie cookie. No Russian tea cake? No Russian tea cakes. Oh. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> Let's see. And they sent us a beautiful form letter. You want to check it out? Or maybe it's, it's not a form letter. It's, Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to treat you to some you vegan sweeties cookies. Enclosed, please find one bag each of our chocolate chip cookies. Oh, just dig in there. <laughs> and brownie cookies. Oh, these are the ones, the famous brownie cookies. All right, cookies we'll try the brownie about. cookies first. All right. I'm kind of disappointed that there oh. are any Russian tea cakes, actually. That's all right. Because that was the one that I that looked really the most contrasting to me. I tried to, tried to grab it daintily, but it broke. Okay, I'm doing okay. Um, they also had the uh, cookies were packed in packing peanuts, and they have a little message in here that says they care about the environment. Packing peanuts are made from static-free, biodegradable, organic cornstarch. They'll decompose in water, leaving no toxic waste. I had to use a whole extra piece of paper just to tell us that. I wonder if uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if my uh, worms could eat them without any bad effects. <laughs> the wor- your tapeworms or your worms, your compost worms. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about my tapeworm now. I think that it tastes like a brownie and looks like a cookie. Tastes like a brownie, looks like a cookie. I think it looks like a biscuit uh-huh. and tastes That's cause of the powdered sugar, like right? cake. Yeah. Like a cake cookie. It's mm-hmm. definitely an, a good. an um, going on. It has a nice flavor um, and a nice texture. wouldn't necessarily call it cookie texture. Nor would I. Yeah, I'd say more like... It's very moist, crumbly. Mm-hmm. Vegan <laughs> sweeties aren't cookies, dear. Quite crumbly. Mm, they're fruit and cake. Not appropriate on the go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to be eating these while driving, unless you have a special. I don't know. I kind of like always getting crumbs all over myself when I'm driving. And Me too. I need a special brownie cookie. Then getting out of the car and like this pile of crumbs falls out onto the 
<laughs> parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you need is a vegan sweetie to feed them to you while you're driving. Oh. Oh yeah. No, I think these would be good with like some soy delicious on top of them. Are they considering selling these all yeah, the way the, over them. here on this side of the country? I think so. Probably all over. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if it's the sh they have a longer shelf life, and that's why they're not like what up to like they're not. Well, they're definitely a packaged product rather than a yeah. fresh mm -hmm. baked sweet mama's cookie. I guess I'm spoiled by the fresh baked. Mm -hmm. Well, you haven't tried the chocolate chip. No, but I will. I'm just going to sit over here and keep eating these brownie cookies. Share that? <laughs> mm -hmm. These are good. I like the brownie cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm a fan. Um, I like the texture of the chocolate chip cookie better. Um, it has a nice flavor. The little bite size is kind of nice. I think it's pretty solid. I'd order these. Yeah, I can't differentiate it from an ordinary chocolate chip cookie in smell or texture. No. <laughs> I think it could have bigger chips. It tastes like a tasted chocolate it. chip cookie. <laughs> oh my god. Well, it never was a very complex recipe, that was. <laughs> this would be a great chocolate cookie really. for ice Thank cream for sandwiches. Like vegan ice cream sandwiches, you mean? Oh, of course. <laughs> or any other kind? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what they remind me of. They remind me of like chip witch cookies, not mm -hmm. like. Look, they use Earth Balance buttery sticks. Which is interesting choice. Because I, when I bake with buttery sticks, I don't really, usually don't like the results. But this is good. I like to stick with the Earth Balance itself. I'm not dying for them. Wow. <laughs> not dying? For them. I'm not like, man, can I take this bag home with me? No? What about the bag? What if they combine the texture of the chocolate chip with the taste of the brownie? <laughs> That'd be the perfect cookie. <laughs> to be lot. fair, I've had too much sugar today. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that I'm, I've peaked out on sugar. And so. you're not a normal ra vegan radio host, so... You're Therefore, you're disqualified. I am curious about the Russian tea cake. That I really think <laughs> that I would enjoy the Russian tea cake. Because, you want to know why? Maybe that was their plan to entice us to buy something. Maybe. I can tell, I can tell by the texture of the chocolate chip cookie that if the Russian tea cake was the same texture, um, that it would just be a really good cookie. Because it's like the texture of the chocolate chip cookie is m more to me is the texture of a Russian tea cake cookie, which is kind of like um, if people don't know Russian tea cake, it's also like like a pfeffernus pfeffernus cookie. Pfeffernus. <laughs> that all about? Hassan pfeffer. Hassan pfeffer. Um, it's like a Stelladora treat. <laughs> it would be like a common brand that you would know. I don't. No. I don't know. It's kind of a tea biscuit kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think I would. I think I really need to try that Russian tea cake. We'll have to email them. I think that they're a new company. <laughs> well, they're I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with these two samples myself. Check it out. Only twelve bucks for a dozen peanut butter cookies. And they 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 satisfy me. Twelve bucks for a dozen cookies. Yes, it's a dollar per cookie. Mm -hmm. I mean, with each dollar you get, you an angel gets its wings. Um, 
Now, one thing I would like to see from vegan sweeties is that I'd like to see them <laughs> maybe use some organic flour. Oh. Okay. Wait, that's here on the back. That's uh, $17, 18 per dozen. <laughs> really? Oh, just kidding. Stop. <laughs> stop. You're oh, kidding. stop. Or, yeah, they would be more, oh, slightly more expensive. Maybe not that much. Oh, the peanut butter chocolate oh. chip cookies do... No? No organic flour. Yeah, I would like... I guess my final... My final evaluation is that I would really like to have a Russian tea cake. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, I want more. <laughs> Lori Dolan. I wanted more from the sweeties, and I didn't get it. But... I what do you think, Scott? I love... I lo I've got... Powdered sugar all over my hands because face <laughs> from these brownie cookies. I like the brownie cookies. Yeah, if they can, if they can pull off the brownie cookie, this good. You have faith in the Russian tea cake. Ah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, listeners. We'll see you next time. <laughs> all right. Vegan radio, because the animals are listening too.